Live from Sadler Studio, it's Stay Busy with the boy, Armand Sadler. gentlemen welcome to another edition of stay busy with armand sadler i am your host armand sadler vegan chiriso poppy three mile monday poppy quarantine poppy head honcho been doing it all uh feeling very good on this monday morning the sun is shining you know we can't necessarily be outside in it while having too much fun i mean i am taking my my daily walks um but besides that you know i do wish i could be at a pool or a day party but the vibes are good so i'm straight how how you feeling co-host what's going on y'all how you doing my name is nick early i'm i'm feeling good as well it's it's a pretty pretty nice day pretty nice day i've been staying inside i don't really go outside i go outside uh really when i need to but um yeah i wish i could be outside and enjoying the time but soon come soon come soon come yep. yeah yeah man you know, uh, whether it's one month or 10 months, we will be back outside right. eventually. Um, want to give a big shout out to anyone who is tuning in, any first time listeners, any returning listeners, whether you are working out indoors or running outside. Hope you have a mask on, uh, whether you're yeah, and gloves. <laughs> absolutely. Whether you're cooking more and ordering less or ordering more and cooking less, whether you prefer <laughs> IG live or Zoom. Uh, whether you have already rewatched every single show that you've already binge watched in life, uh, <laughs> whether you prefer Ozark or All-American, Team Issa or Team oh Lawrence, my God. <laughs> and whether that stimulus check hit already, if it did, I'm hating <laughs> on you. I'm absolutely hating on you. Facts. Uh, have you yeah. started Ozarks? I have not. I've heard good things. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm like pretty bad with keeping up with tv shows like yeah like i'll start one i'll like it and then i'll be like hmm maybe i should try this other one maybe now i'm fi- i finally reached the point where i can watch multiple shows at the same time and like actually finish them and i never do right so um you know i i'm, I'm excited that uh that uh Issa Rae is bringing back I- insecure mm-hmm. because that is more weekly so i so i, I don't have to commit to binge watching it right. you know for like seven hours you can just watch sunday and then wait right. the next week and all that suspense so yeah that's gonna help my uh, tv watching has it's exciting yeah what you've been binge watching man i've been actually watching ozarks like i've been, so a long time ago ozarks is kind of an older show like it's been out i think for a little while and so mm-hmm. i had re-watched like the first six episodes of season six like twice because like i just it was just slow and it wasn't like moving but dude i'm in season two right now like episode seven ish and it is moving like it's one of my, drug shows are my favorite shows and it is living <laughs> up to all the hype like ozarks is is fire um also hey. like uh did you see that cautious clay is got uh sang the song for Issa ray uh for insecure he got really? to do the song yeah so he's okay. the one doing the song uh super dope so that's exciting that's yeah right. well, well this is the this is the tv section of stay busy one of <laughs> <laughs> want to shout out our homegirl taylor crumpton for joining us last week that was an absolutely awesome episode uh very good reception to that lots of gems for freelance writers and shout out to the to the 
uh, the people who are still working right now, the mm-hmm. the, the essential workers who yeah, are yeah. still out on the front lines, um, ha- you know, having to stay away from their families in this time and, and, and risking themselves uh, in the midst of this crazy, crazy time. I want to give a big shout out to Anchor, our distribution platform. If you don't know by now, Anchor will distribute your podcast for free to all of the streaming platforms you want to use. Um, and you can get some sponsored ads regardless of your listenership. So get your potting in. And of course, want to give a big shout out to our landlords for providing these spaces and allowing us and our families to pay the rent to them so that we may record this podcast. All right, man, we got a very, very um, busy, busy last week. So let's jump right into this chat. Um, One of the hottest things smoking right now on Instagram Live is Quarantine Radio by Tory Lanez. (laughs) I think that he has really... You know, it's it's great to see different rappers and, and different singers and, and different personalities kind of step into their their abilities and things that we're good at. And we see that Tory Lanez has a future as a radio show host. Like, yeah, his he has voice, more personality. He's showing his yeah. personality. Yeah, I like and, that. And, and he's always been a clown. Like, I followed him on Instagram maybe for the last, like, two years. So I've seen videos, and I'm like, wow, he's actually, like, kind of funny. So um, <laughs> seeing him, like, with the mic, hearing him with the drops, with his boys in the background, like, right. it's been it's been very interesting. And, you know, obviously, he he, he kind of got into some some trouble. The, 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 mm. There was some twerking, and there were some women who were <laughs> taking clothes off. So, so Instagram had to come and shut that down. But apparently... He, he sent them his, his new album, which dropped this past weekend, New Toronto 3, and they were so impressed with it that they had to let him back on Instagram. Oh, good. Whether or not that is true. That's probably um, not. Some goon, <laughs> some goon showed up some somebody's door. That's what happened. Yeah, but <laughs> hey, man, all this is showing is Tory Lanez is very, very good at marketing. Um, If you think back to the Chicks Tape 5 rollout, just him kind of capturing mm-hmm. the uh, 2000s with the sidekick and, and with all the old clothing, like, Tory Lanez really knows how to appeal to the people. And then he, he dropped New Toronto 3 this past weekend. It was actually a very, very good project. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it, was, it, was, yeah. it was very personal. Um, he uh, paid homage to Drake on uh, on uh, Letters to the City 2. Right, right. And he, he has really evolved as an artist for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I, I've seen a steady improvement in his music yeah. um he's he's listening to the people he's he, he's able to give the r&b side and then, and then he's also g- giving the rap side and production wise tory tory works with with some of the best producers so yeah nah, he's uh he, he he really did his thing yeah tory's i mean tory's always had good producers and and good uh you know just that part of it has always been on point um, but yeah, you know, like, uh, also shout out to my boy, our, our boy from Cornell, Krim Hutton, shout out Krim yes. Hutton. He played on, uh, Adidas for the project, which is one of the tracks on, on Tory Lanez's next, last, uh, the project he just released. But yeah, yeah. so shout out Krim, Krim, my man, if you, if you're listening, bro, much love, baby. Yeah. And what I'm most interested in is he said, uh, that he is now off of his label and Uh-oh. he said that. He said that he was holding back all of his best music because he didn't want to give it to them and, you know, have oh, wow. them be able to profit from it. Sheesh. So he kind of pulled like a Frank Ocean level finesse, like right, not, right. not as like impactful and like, oh, wow, like he like he really did that. But if Tori has his best music coming, like I'm, I'm interested in hearing it because I've, I've liked what he's put out throughout mm-hmm. his career. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. But just shout out to Tori Lanez for keeping us entertained and for providing some quality music in this quarantine time. Um, we want to transition into a battle that was supposed to happen um, that we didn't get, but we, yeah. we now know the reason for it. Uh, Babyface versus Teddy Riley. We actually spoke about it on last week's episode mm-hmm. with Taylor. 
Uh, it was supposed to happen last Sunday, mm-hmm. and the battle was canceled. Now, there was some commotion that was caused because people felt like Teddy Riley was trying to rob the culture right. by taking the battle from Instagram Live to another platform mm-hmm. and actually charging people for it. Uh, it was actually just revealed that Babyface's family, uh, himself and his family, they all tested positive for COVID-19. So they were in quarantine and, and they were resting up and, and, you know, making sure that, right. um, you know, they were, they were taken care of because health is more important than, than this battle. It, like we can get this battle. At any time. It really <laughs> is. It really is like, yeah, this battle could have happened at any point. I just think, yeah, the telly, the Teddy, telly, the Teddy Riley <laughs> thing was kind of like, uh, that was a little uncomfortable. Like, bro, you don't have to profit off of this. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you're, re- you're just replaying music that you, you know, everyone loves. If anything, like you said, you're not trying to rob the culture. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, Babyface and his family have healed up and that they are, you know, coming out of that and getting back to a healthy level so that we can get this battle that everybody and they mama's mama's mama wants to happen. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, it was really interesting um, for me seeing the reactions of Teddy because it's like, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, building black business and, and being entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and, you know, like, obviously he, he's a successful artist. He, he's got money already. Right. But people were just so, like, against it. And it kind of reminded me of when uh, LeVar Ball did a big baller brand and uh-huh. he was charging all that money for the sneaker. People like, why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? But, but we always talk supporting black business. And, and not that I support Teddy um taking it off of ig and charging people because it's like yo like these are supposed to be for the love of music they're supposed to make right, us feel good right, like, right, right. you're building all this nostalgia but at the same time if 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 you're an artist and you can't tour right now you can't do all the things that normally bring you in money it's a creative way to do it and still kind of in- include the people so i see both sides like I, chanel I, I, <laughs> yeah yeah i wouldn't w- want to pay for it it's like yo like we this is why we got ig live or what you're doing but i do see the whole you know trying to to profit off of your content move so it's 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 tough it's very murky waters no no i i feel that too i just think for me it was just a situation of like look teddy like bruh like you know like don't rob the culture we have been begging for this and the thing is it's not like you're setting a new precedent to something that people have already been accustomed to we've already had probably what roughly like five six battles um that are like, you know, pretty high heavy hitters that have had these yeah. battles. And so like you coming in to say, one, we're going to take it off the platform and now we're going to charge like, bro, like, come on, someone's just going to wait for the link to get, you know, even if that was the case, there's going to be some amazing soul that would have gone on there, recorded the entire thing and then would have put <laughs> yeah. it to YouTube. <laughs> so we yeah. would all been able to watch it there. But like, um, I think that it was because I for me, at least when I looked into it, I think it was because he was involved with that or uh, the partner that he wanted to do the streaming with. I think that's mm-hmm. what made I think people feel a little weird about it. But mm-hmm. I mean, to my knowledge, obviously, you know, Instagram profits off of just having eyes and people being there. But like, I don't know, man, there's certain things that's like, but Teddy Riley, I know you're not worried about no money, Teddy. I know you're <laughs> not worried about no bread. I know baby face never had his kids, kids, kids don't have to worry about no bread. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's like. Uh, there's certain things that the culture is relevant. I mean, like that, that always leads to more money opportunities. I'm sure Jonte's DMS and emails have been flooded more than any time before, even though he's like one of the most highly sought after guys. I feel like that being on people's radar is probably increases streams. It probably increases everything else. So it's like, 
being relevant and giving in the culture is going to affect you in other positive ways. You don't need bread right then and there. But I am for the black businesses, like, and, you know, pushing that. So, like, when LeVar Ball did do that, you brought up that that instance. I'm like, yeah, like, how come people, you know, I didn't personally say like some of the designs, but and then, but that's probably the problem. But it's like <laughs> he, him promoting a product that is black owned and that is you know something that he doesn't didn't want to get his boys involved with you know a big contract deal but wanted to build something for himself i think it was just all the framing of it if lavar was a little more like you know of a of an not such a notorious and villainous figure i don't think people would have looked at it so crazily you know what i'm saying people you know what that's a dad trying to support his kids as opposed to like oh it's lavar trying to be selfish you know what i'm saying like um and so i think it's all about how it's presented uh, and I think that there's opportunities for black businesses uh, to make money as, as as well as still feeding the culture. You know what I'm saying? Because we are the culture, period. Yeah. Like point blank, yeah. period. But yeah. that's all I got to say about it. <laughs> Word. Okay. Let's right. transition. Yeah. All right. Uh, this past week we got uh, Drake. And it's, it's, I mean, there have been leaks flying like every single day. There's a new leak and I, I have them all. So if y'all want them, I might be auctioning them. But um, <laughs> Drake, did, <laughs> Drake did a house tour with uh, Architectural Digest. Uh, yeah. we know he got a new big house uh, in Toronto. We saw a little bit of it when he did his Rap Radar interview, but now we got a full look. And immediately, maybe within like an hour of the interview dropping, people were furious and they were up in arms because they felt it was him flaunting his wealth oh my god state of the world is in poor taste and then the 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 commentary went from him flaunting his wealth to them saying he is a terrible interior designer he doesn't know how to build a house the house looks like five different types of houses within one now as a as a as a drake fan i say it every week like (laughs) i I recognize my biases (laughs) But, but but I'm trying to step back and, and, and really think about it. Like, let's say, like, Diddy got a new house and yeah. did this. Or Jay-Z got a new house and did this. Or any other rich person got a new house and did, did this. Would this be as big of a deal in this current climate of, of, of the country? Because Absolutely it's not. A, a valid way to think. But it feels like because it's Drake, it's like, let's just put another thing against Drake. <laughs> of course. That, that's what it is. To me, at least that's how I feel, man. Like, I... I don't want to. I don't want to steal your points, but like no, I have, no. I have a lot of feelings about this because, like, I looked at it. I read the articles. I read. I looked at the pictures, and how do I describe this? Like, I don't feel. I've never really felt in my heart that Drake was ever a an ostentatious, flashy type of guy, even outside of the the normal like rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, rappers are typically, you know, got a bunch of chains and and, and you know got the women and doing their video and whatever like that and. Drake, I think, in his later years has has been just. I f- I see him as a, like as an artisan. Like he gives us a lot of good art, right? His yeah. his videos are strong, everything's strong. But he doesn't. I mean, he's back in his hometown. Like he's living in the area. He, uh, to my knowledge, from what I've heard, he he puts a lot into the community of Toronto. And like, so does. people try to villainize him or vilify, not villainize, vilify <laughs> Drake. Shit, both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both. Honestly, villainize and vilify. But y'all, like, I. <laughs> Why? What do y'all want for Drake from Drake so much? Like, I just don't get it. It doesn't make no sense. But I can see, like you said, how people would be like. And this is giving a lot of people time to reflect on like what they have and what they don't have. And so, like, 
people looking at Drake, and I think it's just like something to just talk about, man. Like, because I doubt that that was his intention of trying to show off his wealth in this time of COVID. And you know what's funny? People don't understand. This is what a lot of people don't understand about media and press. Like, I don't know if people have noticed. There's a lot of been a lot of music videos coming out, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, st- content from your favorite blog, Complex Genius, all that stuff. A lot of this stuff is done way in advance like they probably were probably some of the first people to get in the house like they probably heard he was building a house and asked him immediately and booked the dates for them to come into the house like y'all have to realize like this stuff is done a lot in advance and oftentimes the release the artists and people like especially for blogs stuff they don't know like control over that the the publication and the outlet releases the stuff so y'all gotta really like start using your brains and thinking like (laughs) y'all gotta think I'm sorry. Y'all have to think. Start thinking. Yeah, like, like, like do, 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 do you think they flew out to Toronto now like, to do it? Like, ooh, wearing masks and gloves and getting on a plane. Right. You can't have six feet distance from each other. Like, come on. No, it was it was done months. It was probably done around the same time he, he did his Rap Radar interview. Exactly. And funny enough, in that Rap Radar interview, he talks about the house. And he talks about how he would drive around Toronto. Uh, Prince's house was there. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It, it was a goal for him. So, like... This, as a fan and just as someone who likes to see people achieve what they want to achieve, it's motivating. Like, yeah, yes, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm broke compared to Drake, and like, yeah, he <laughs> might have made me feel broke, but it's like, all right, I'm just gonna work that much harder to get a house like that. Also, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't, he doesn't expose yeah. himself to yeah. the world. So this is an opportunity to see inside of his house. Like that's that's cool to me. I don't know. Like like maybe maybe I'm just a stand. Whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, speaking of. Toronto people causing commotion. Oh Jesus! Uh, I think this I know this past doing. week, a Variety magazine interview dropped with The Weeknd. He he just dropped After Hours. He's on his post-release rollout, dropping videos, talking to people, dropping deluxes, blah blah blah. But he did this. This might. This is a. This is an interesting uh, turn <laughs> in his perception. So. He was he was discussing um, his his impact on on music yeah. uh, around the time when he first entered the game, dropping House of Balloons and uh-huh. Echoes of Silence and ultimately Trilogy, and he brought up how when Usher, the legendary legendary yes. Atlanta, you got it bad, <laughs> burn, you make me wanna Usher, yeah, climax in 2012, and the weekend said that he was a bit angry about it because he was like, oh, that's a weekend song. Let's, we're just going to have a moment of, of, of oh, silence. Let's have a moment of freaking silence. All right. Now I'm ready to go. <laughs> I am. Yo, when I. Okay. I read several articles because I had. Okay, hold on, like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let's try to look at the other side. <laughs> okay. And okay. Okay. Let, let, let's try to see if, if there's any way we can validate it. And then we will rip the weekend. <laughs> okay. So. Do you want to play it? Do you want to play it and then like listen to it? Yeah. Okay. So let's play a little bit of it. I 
Okay. <laughs> so now that we've heard, uh, this is the way I feel. Like, so I, I guess if you want to reach and reach for the stars, like, I can hear the, just a little bit like expressivity in the falsetto and like the way um, his perform his vocal performance, how the weekend may have attributed that. But like, yeah, House mm-hmm. of Blues came out what 2011. Climax mm-hmm. came out 2012. Mm-hmm. That's probably like I wouldn't just sonically. Sonically, I kind of hear maybe how I would say like the record is the production is kind of like um, <clears throat> the production is a little more like electronic but that was when usher was coming out of that like whole like electronic dancey pop era and yeah. he when he was experimenting with that and trying that stuff so like i don't know man i that's what do you think yeah like i, I of course when i read that when i read the interview i tried to be responsible so i immediately went back to the song and i listened and i was like <sighs> Like you said, if you want to reach, like, because the song might sound a little maybe darker than what, like, Usher was, was used to, but right. I don't, it like, I, I, I don't hear that and, and think Weekend. I, I don't hear Not that at and, all. Think, and think anyone. I think Not Usher because he's he's a jack of all trades. And, like, all artists kind of try to keep up with, well, not keep up, but, like, try their hand at what right. the new hot thing is. And so it was funny when um, the producer of Climax, D- Diplo, actually came out and tweeted. He mm-hmm. was like, yeah, you know, like, we heard that and we were like, and we were inspired by, by like, House of Balloons and, and you know, Weekend and what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But, like... He- even in Diplo saying that, like I, I don't know, maybe I'm just so appalled by by Weekend being angry by that. But yeah, like, no, I, I just don't see the connection there. Like it, it's not a strong enough connection there for me to be like, oh, uh, Usher jocked the Weekend. Like, I thought it was really corny for him to do that. I thought it was really corny. Like, bruh, how? I just don't understand. Like, Usher is a singer's singer like he he sings bro like and so it was so funny for me is when like um people like so for example eric bellinger uh who i think actually was uh who wrote on that song um mm. came out and did a cl- uh, climax challenge uh where he wanted singers to to you know sing the song and hit the notes and so what he kept doing he tagged usher he tagged some other people in it and like tank did one like a bunch of other singers have done it um <laughs> And Eric Bellinger was like, yo, let's see if the weekend, yo, tag him, tag him. Like, like egg him on, like, yo, let's see what he does. Like, is he about this life? You know what I'm saying? And so, like, if we inspired you so much, let's see if you can sing this song, like, how you would have sung it if we inspired you so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I thought that was really funny and cool. But also, weekend, back to our moment of silence, sir. <laughs> you want to say who stole somebody's career or, like, stole somebody's sound? Uh-oh. You sound like Michael Jackson Jr., bro. Oh, my God. And you've cited him as a huge influence, right? So I don't understand how you can literally... I've had moments where I looked back and say, this dude sounds like... he. That is Michael. He That is Michael reincarnate. Like, he's trying to do that so yeah. hard. Like, And I'm like, how can you pass judgment on someone who has a song that, one, doesn't sound like you. One, two, you probably can't even sing it. No, and we can. I love you too. If you ever listen yeah, to this, like, super talented. no, yeah. like you dope, like you dope. But sir, let we gotta call spades spades, baby. Like, and you, and you know, it's crazy because like no one ever faulted him for trying to sound like Michael Jackson. Because who wouldn't want to sound like the king of pop? Like oh. that's that's the person to draw influence from if you're trying to make pop music. So right. No one ever 
no one ever made it an issue for the weekend to to be following Michael Jackson's footsteps, making a whole song called Dirty Diana. But then for, oh for you as a as as a young and and you know he's he, I would I would consider the weekend a veteran now, but yeah. to be thinking thinking that way back then as a young and then to comfortably say it in an interview nine years later, mm-hmm. knowing how how the internet works like bro it didn't it took maybe 30 minutes for people to start comparing the weekend and usher's discographies and it took maybe a day for people to say yo weekend not even that good he's trash and it's like this is what happens when yeah. you make comments well like this publicly like people have been comparing r&b artists that shouldn't be compared for this entire quarantine like we've had usher and frank ocean and we've had the weekend versus bruno mars and just like a bunch of people yeah. that really shouldn't be in the same conversation and now uh with this and with it coming out that at the weekend is like doing these crazy uh crazy uh package uh packages for his album mm-hmm. to boost sales it's like he's, he's getting a lot of negative press and it's it's, it's not it's not looking that great so it's i, I would just, i would just be careful <laughs> yeah no i mean for the record we both love the weekend but of sir course. like you just you just if you're you can't call out somebody for quote-unquote jocking your sound uh who was a veteran at the time he was mm-hmm. usher's been a vet for not for a long time who was a veteran at the time for jacking your sound yeah older people try to stay relevant but usher was still in in the swing of things so like still we making can't, bangers right, right we can't say that usher was losing it or out of grips or anything like that or needed to jock a sound to come back and in, into the light but like nah mm-hmm. man like you gotta you know kind of kind of watch what you're saying there but anyways we love you this, weekend. Is, a, this is a good transition into um sex beat uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh usher little john man, yo you, you know what i love about it is w- w- how usher handled this whole thing when they go low he, i go high <laughs> he, he, he sang on ig live yes he did, it. He, he did his apple music interview where you know he shouted out drake and and i i think he even commented on on the weekend's comments in the, in the apple music interview. i don't remember exactly what he said but like he kept it all very classy yeah and then he, Lil John, Luda, and Jermaine Dupree dropped Sex Beat. Now, this was so special for me, man. Like, I, I actually I ended up writing about this. I stayed up to like 6 a.m. writing about this song because Usher, Lil John, and Ludacris getting together, it brings us back to 2004, 2005 when they did Lovers and Friends, yeah. which is an absolute R&B classic. Like, that that song, is, is, is for me, is one of the songs that defined the, the, the 2000s for me. Uh-huh. Um, so seeing them get back together, obviously there's the whole nostalgia of it. And then coming back together and actually making a really quality song, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it sounds it sounds like it fits. You know, I, I think there are there are some acts who can come in and bring kind of a sound that's outdated. But uh, Lil Jon producing it, Jermaine Dupri, um, uh, whatever his, his involvement was, I think he might have executive produced it. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I'm but, pretty sure Diplo you know, produced it, produced the actual record. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Word. Yeah, Diplo, um, that's but, what I'm saying here, but yeah. Okay, word, word. And this, this makes perfect sense because the, the record sounds like it fits in, yeah. in this current era of music. Ludacris with a, a great verse. Um, he's still he's still w- w- one of the best to do it. Uh, cornerstone of, of Atlanta. Usher's vocals, man. Like He's like that. Some of those runs he hit, um, I'm getting in pictures in my mind. Like he, he smoked it. He smoked it. So I, like I, I was really happy with the record. Uh, did, did, how, how, how'd you like it? Man, I l- actually liked it. Like the um, the beat. I, I love the beat. How it kind of like yeah. switch up. It's this beautiful piano intro. Yo, just for 40 <laughs> seconds. Right. Piano. Beautiful piano intro. Beautifully mixed. And then the, the, the like the beat comes in in this it's like that's so cool about Diplo I think that's like he he you know people know him for his his electronic stuff 
but like he he is out here with the hip hop too. Like he does yeah. that, and so like I love the contrast of the beautiful piano and then just this crazy drop. So like with, you know they're known for drops doing it in the, in that in that whole electronic realm, um, yeah. and so. I, I just I really love the beat, and then Usher, you know, he floated, he just levitated, he Do, does what he does, elevated, you know. So yeah, shout out to them for giving us a little piece of 2004 in in 2020, and and not just trying to to reinvent the wheel. I really think that they came up with something that sets itself apart from from Lovers and Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's dope. All right, and last but not least, uh, Division uh, released their full track list for their upcoming album, Amuse in Her Feelings. Um, the track list features Summer Walker, Party Next Door, Jesse Reyes, Ty Dolla Sign, Future, and their backup singer, uh, Chantel May. I actually saw her live when I went to Division's show. Okay. She's a single back and forth. If you guys haven't heard it, she's really good, so I'm really excited to see her on there. Now, before we get into the new single, Dangerous City, there were some conversations surrounding Division's track list, and people were complaining that it appears this is going to take them into the mainstream. What? Now, what now what immediately popped into my head is for the last near five years that Division has, has been active, um, people have always felt Division should be bigger. Division should be bigger. Why isn't Division bigger? Why don't people know about Division? If you look at their first two albums, they were albums of no features, literally just Division. So they, they were establishing their identity, just making the music they want to make, making quality music. Now I feel with the pressure of, of, of R&B being so commercial and, you know, like people trying to nudge you out of the way, I, I think they're, they're stepping into a, another level. We saw them, uh, the first single, No Crying with Future, mm-hmm. that they put out Between Us with Snow Allegra. And those co- collaborations made sense. So it wasn't just them working with people who are popular just for the sake of doing it, those collaborations on those songs yeah. made sense. So I'm really excited to see them work with some of these popular names in R&B. And then they also have PopCon and and uh, Buju Banton, Banton, I'm sorry if, if I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> Buju Banton. <laughs> Buju Banton, there we go. <laughs> see, I got <laughs> But like, it, this is really exciting. And there are also some collaborations on there that you wouldn't expect because like, I think, Anyone would say, "Oh, give us, give us Ari Lennox, or or or, or give us this this obvious collaboration." Yeah, like Jesse Reyes and Party Next Door are a tribute to you know the, their uh, Canadian roots. Mm-hmm. Party, um, Ty Sign, you know, they've been working with for years, and and he's he he's he's one of the greats. And you know, these collaborations just make sense. So it's really exciting to me. So it's like, how do you want a, a group to be bigger, and then when they're positioning themselves to be bigger? It's a problem that they're about to be bigger. Right. Like, I, I, I don't think that they're going to sell out and change their sound. They've they've proven to us over the last two albums that they can be relied on to deliver quality music. And I'm looking forward to seeing them experiment. You know what's but weird? To, this weird <laughs> to me is, is like, one, moment of silence for other people that are also not thinking. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, how, how do you wish someone's bigger and then they start to get bigger? And like, no, you guys are selling out. What? Okay. But two, like you said, I've always looked at their sound as mainstream R&B. I've mm-hmm. never looked at it as like, it was more so like to me, it was just growing. Like their sound has always been a very commercial sound. I've always heard their stuff on the radio so far as like the way it sounds to me. I'm like, this could play on the radio in the R&B lane. Like it's yeah. very, very, very commercial. Like 1985 has made some of Drake's biggest hits. Like mm-hmm. his, he knows how to make a commercial hit record. And so having Daniel Daly singing on top of it, it just, I don't know, like people just don't make sense. But um, 
listening to this song that they did, uh, the Danger City record, I I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like the I want them to you know this island music has like all island styles like reggaeton um dance hall soca all that stuff has become now into the main light it's been popping forever if you know you know but Mm -hmm. now it's sort of coming into like the mainstream and people want to use that sound and incorporate it um, into everything and it seems as if like that's like a another cornerstone to touch now that people want to use oh we got to have an island joint like got to have a tropical record you know any sort of things like that and so them having Buju on here, but, you know, obviously they are from of the culture, um, so they know what's good. And so it doesn't feel gimmicky to me. But yeah. I wanted them with the production to go full in. So, like, when you listen to the song, Division and Ty, um, Daly's, I call him Daniel Daly's, because so, I think of him as two people all the time. Daniel Day, when he sings, he opens the song, falsetto, he's doing his crooning thing. And then Ty's verse kind of, kind of, like, goes into the theme of like the dangerous city but like i made it out type of thing whereas the the verse before was more like it's so dangerous out there but i'm gonna do i'm gonna come because i love you type thing and then buju comes in and the beat kind of just switches up and goes like more traditional and that beat was much more driving and captured my energy more than the the stuff that we had heard from uh from daniel daly and ty dollar because it felt like i've heard that before and so yeah. when I heard Buju's part, I'm like, dang, why can't this be the beat for the entire beat? Um, and maybe that's just you know, paying homage to the OG Buju. But um, yeah. I I, I, th- I thought it was cool. Like, it was, yeah. it was cool, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll say I, I really liked it when I heard it. But now that you're you're bringing up the, the execution of it and how they kind of sprinkled in the dance hall rather than fully like, nah, like I'm about to really fully season this and like really put the sauce on it. I, I feel that. And... What, the thing is, I think the, this record feels like it was intended for the summertime. Like, we're supposed to oh, be yes. out somewhere oh. with sangria in our hand. Nick's supposed to have his button-down shirt open. <laughs> Facts. On. Like, Facts. Like, we're supposed to be outside. Now, uh, now, now that we're inside, we listen to this music a little differently. And, yeah. And, and we're not able to recognize nuance. Like, no context. Yeah, 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 this is a single. This is something that they're using to, to push the album forward, something to kind of give us an idea of what's coming. But I really think this is something they would have probably have rather drop when we're not quarantined. Yeah. Because we just hear it differently. Yeah. We're like, we're, we're kind of judging it like we would have judged uh, between us with Division and Snow. Yeah. With two different intentions. But yeah. I, 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 I do agree. I think that they could have went fully into it. I, I think, you know, as you said, because that sound is so mainstream, people just kind of throw it in. And like, mm-hmm. because of the, the recognition, the rec- recollection, things that we've talked about, mm-hmm. people are going to automatically like how something sounds when they hear the, the those similar time type of rhythms and melodies and, and right, and right, right. So yeah, it was, it, it was good. It, uh, it, it's definitely not my, my favorite of the singles that they've dropped, but it, it was mm-hmm. good. And I, I enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm so excited for the album. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, man, with all that stuff that we had to talk about, I'm i uh, I'm, I'm a little parched. Uh, I'm sure you are too. So. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> You're right. So right. uh, what you sipping on, bro? Man, I'm sipping on some Assam black tea. Uh, you, you say uh, uh, Assad? As- no, not Assad. Assad. <laughs> oh my God, Assam, A S S A M. Assam black tea. Assam is a region in India, sir. Um, okay. Yeah, so Assam black tea. It's really good tea. It's like a strong bold tea. Um, it has a lot of antioxidants, good for blood circulation, and of course, it fights cavity. So good for your oral health. So y'all, um, 
halitosis, like we said, should be a misdemeanor. <laughs> so get, go ahead and get you some Assam black tea. If you don't know what halitosis is, please look it up. And then you'll understand why it should be a misdemeanor. All right. So the half and half today is coming from Apple Music, launching a $50 million advance fund for independent labels hit by COVID-19 impact. This is by Tim Ingham out of Music Business Worldwide. So shout out to them for covering this story. It's a really interesting story. Uh, So Apple Music. Is putting together a 50, uh, an advance fund, uh, to event, uh, which is able available. Excuse me, God, available to independent labels and distributors uh, to support the indie sector with vital cash flow during the uncertainty, of course, of this global COVID nineteen lockdown. So this, what they want, envision this money to be utilized for, uh, is for advance uh, kind of royalty payments. So for those who don't understand, like royalties are paid out retroactively meaning at after the fact and so it would be in an advance to front them the money from royalty payments that they would have expected to receive so this is going to be a huge help for independent labels um for those who don't understand as well independent labels are labels who are kind of independently owned and operated think of them as i guess you can think of as small businesses that aren't necessarily tied to a bigger entity there's in our uh, country here we have the three majors sony warner and universal and so any independent label is a smaller label that runs its own sort of operation, but they are still very integral to the music business. So a lot of your favorite artists are signed to indie labels. Um, and so uh, we want to just talk about that being important to the entire industry. So those uh, just some things that are going on in this industry for y'all that don't know. Of course, physical sales were already on a decline, but, you know, vinyl had increased a little bit because of nostalgia and whatnot. Um, but that has completely, you know, been just like shaved to literally like a nub, like no one is going out because record stores aren't not aren't essential. And so physical sales have been cut from the industry, um, which did a billion well, last year in 2019, what we said on a few a few episodes prior and then licensing income. So licensing income is anything that comes from when we call a sync so s-y-n-c a sync when music is paired to any visual so that's for movies that's for tv that's for commercials that's for video games that's for ads all types of stuff where music can be placed to that that's often a time uh, a stream a very nice stream of income for independent artists uh, especially indie labels um, as well as just artists in general for the industry in general syncs uh, labels have whole sync departments it's also culturally important because that is an area where a lot oftentimes of shows that are like popping in the culture, they will break new artists because artists will get their song placed on the show and it'll be an important scene. And people say, wow, what's this song? I mean, there's oftentimes a lot of people who can think about different songs that have broken over a TV show. So that has been <laughs> also dried up a lot. So no one's going out. No one's really recording TV and music production. Um, the TV and movie production has not been much of that, um, as well as any labels that receive anything from their uh artist tour which is most labels uh especially indie labels like if you get a cut off of the uh artist ticket sales or touring revenue that has also sh- uh, sharply declined so it's been a really interesting situation so there's some qualifications for people to be able to receive this uh advance from apple music so you have to meet a minimum quarterly threshold of ten thousand dollars in apple music earnings uh 
to qualify for these one-off advance payments or future royalties. So that, for those who understand, that equates to basically like if an indie label has three artists or how many of artists they have under them, collectively for the quarter, those artists should equate around to about 500K streams on Apple Music. So that's just kind of like a general ballpark estimate of what that means to a figure. Um, and also they have to have a direct distribution deal with Apple Music in place. Um, this rules out any indie labels who are distributed by major companies because there are some. It is really complex. I'm trying not to go into the weeds. But there's also indie record labels who are uh, distributed by majors um, that have like exclusive licensing deals with majors. So this is strictly for the mom and pop labels that are doing their thing by their own but still contributing to our amazing music industry. So that is my half and half. Shout out to Apple Music for doing something about it and putting some dollars in people's in people's uh, pockets to keep this this industry going during this weird time. Yeah, it's it's really good to see one of the major streaming platforms do this. Like we know, like Audio Mac and SoundCloud have always been very artist first, and you know, doing different initiatives to look out for the artists. But Apple Music doing this could, could then I'm 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 not familiar if Spotify or Tidal have made any similar initiatives, but being that they compete and being that Apple Music and Spotify were throwing those petty videos at each other, I think like <laughs> last year. Yeah, um, I think this would get Spotify to mobilize as well and do something. So yeah, shout out to them for kind of setting that that standard as one of the big big name streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into our employee of the week. Want to give a big shout out to Nick Watkins. Yeah, Nick. We love nicknames, um, nicknames, and then nicknames. I'm nice, anyways. Oh, um, Nick Watkin. <laughs> Nick is a freelance photographer in New York City. Um, he works under Raven Barona. That's Ravy B. She works with Duce Palooza. He's done photography for It's the Real. He's you, you've seen you've seen his name all over NYC. He's he's at every show. He caught uh, some very classic pictures of Nipsey Hussle, and Snow Allegra even made one of his photos her um, her photo on Twitter. Um, he was he 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 uh, he got outside a couple nights ago and caught some photos of the supermoon, put them on Twitter, and they went absolutely viral. So much so to the point that this girl tried to steal his pictures and post them as if they were her own, and people swarmed her mentions eventually. And I think that speaks for itself about Nick's impact and and the people who support him. Um, his work is was very very good. And so much so that. Uh, his photos of the supermoon even made it to the Earth Instagram. Like literally, the, the, there's an Instagram made for the planet Earth, and his photos were on there, and they tagged him and everything. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, so Nick is an example of honing your craft, working hard, being outside. I, I really love how vulnerable he he is on Twitter because like if you look at his social media, all the followers he has, all the likes he has, you know, it's easy to assume he's Gucci, but you know, he's like, I I want a job in music. I want to work in music. Like I still have things I want to accomplish. So just goes to show like, you know, there are a lot of people out here who are doing big things and and still very hungry. And and that's someone that Nick and I, and I'm sure a lot of you can can relate to. So shout out to Nick for, for being so good at what he does, but then also being an inspiration and, and being down to earth. So yeah, one more time, our employer of the week, Nick Watkins. Yeah. Nick, shout out to you, brother. All right, now let's slide. The best song wasn't the single, but you weren't either. Oh man, that Frank uh, soundbite never gets old. <laughs> never. All right, so let's jump into it. Um, the slide deck, y'all know why we're here. Funny enough, my slide this week actually comes from Frank Ocean. Uh, we got White Ferrari, produced by Omas Keith, John Brian, and Frank Ocean himself. Let's jump into it. I love to talk. 
on these rides Mine on the road Your dilated eyes Watch the clouds float White Ferrari Had a good time 16 How was I supposed to know anything? I let you out At Central I didn't care To state the plane Kept my mouth closed We're both so familiar White Ferrari Man, White that is Ferrari. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fire. Yeah, that is I was I was listening to Blonde the other night and I, I remember back in 2016 and I know me saying this will probably cause some cause some commotion, but when I first heard Blonde, I wasn't that into it. And as time has gone on, as it's aged, I've I've you know I've kind of changed my ways and I've come to my senses and, and I recognize what, what Frank Ocean gave us. Right. Um and that the album starts so strong. You know, you get Nike's uh Ivy, pink and white, but the end of the album might be my favorite part, like White Ferrari, Godspeed, and White Ferrari itself, it's just his his voice, it's it it, it just kind of gets into the fibers of of your skin and like and like Frank and we talked about it last week with Taylor, like he's so good at just making you feel something. Yeah, you always feel like, something. Like you just you like it's just I, and I was I, I was like kind of down when I was listening to Blonde too, but because mm-hmm. he sounded so down on on Blonde, it, it made me feel better. Like <laughs> right. you know, I'm not as down as you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, bro! Like there are people lower than me. So yeah, man, uh, not lower in terms of like you know just right. Just yeah, no, we know what you mean. Frank <laughs> <laughs> Rich, but um, yeah, man. Now, nah, well, White Ferrari is absolutely absolutely incredible. So shout out to Frank for for doing that and continuing to be who he is what'd you uh, bring for us this week well for celebrating you know this past easter weekend i thought i'd bring some of that into the week because man i can't even remember the last time i haven't been in church to see like a uh a easter presentation but we're like right. you know you always have the easter presentation the little kids you know do the story uh, you know this is ha huh, this time is weird so so, I wanted to bring that to y'all a little bit today, a little bit of that Easter energy to y'all. This is uh, Won't He Do It by Corin Hawthorne, produced by Rich Shelton, Makiba Riddick Woods, and Matthew Head, or Heed. Ain't nobody stopping the shine. They try to break me, try to take me out, but I got Jesus on my side. So bad I thought it would die. But ain't no power stronger than the one that came and laid down his life. And I got mountains to climb. But the enemy can't stop me, cause there's a calling on my life. So when I'm crying, don't last too long. Cause he gon' step in and make it alright. Only do it. How you sleep at night Only do it oh, Yes, he will Anybody tell you something different You know that's a lie You gon' look back and be so amazed How it turned out It's only his grace 
So that was uh, I love that song. It's just it's got a nice bounce to it. Won't he do it? You said he would. Like it's just it's fire. I think um, oftentimes you know like I think in the whole uh, Christian and gospel lane, especially like R and B or or hip hop that can like you know be more widely applicable to a broader audience outside of the the, the gospel crowd um i think oftentimes they get like a a a rep for being like corny or like trying to be like you know get crunk for jesus like yeah yeah my man jesus i ain't drinking i ain't smoking i'm with jesus you know like corny stuff like that but like i think this is a cool way to like you know have a cool beat but also still spread her message um about jesus christ so yeah man shout out to corn and that is my slide y'all all right. Well, as you all know, the Slide Deck playlist is available on all platforms. You can hit it on our IG bio and our Twitter bio. And of course, send us some slides at StayBusyPod on both platforms or hit our email, StayBusyPod at gmail.com. Yeah. All right. And so now it's time to get into the fun stuff. Um, one of the benefits of this quarantine is us having to be creative in the way that we produce this podcast, but it also opens up a lot of opportunities for us to talk to people that we might not have, uh, be able to bring into the room. So I'm very excited to have our first ever caller on Stay Busy. I want to give a big shout out to my guy, Flozis, Josh Floyd. Welcome to the show, my guy. How Josh, what's good, baby? You know, thank y'all. Thank y'all for allowing me to be here. You know, I'm very excited, you know, low-key nervous. You know, I just heard I'm the first ever caller in. So, you know, it's a big honor. I hope uh, I hope I succeed well today. No, you're going to be fine, yeah. man. You sound good. You, you sound like <laughs> you're in the right headspace for this. We're here to have some fun. And I think the conversation that we're going to have for today's board meeting is one that goes right up your alley. So, uh, fellas, ready for the board meeting today? Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. So today we're going to talk about stand culture and hives. Um, obviously, mm. this is th- these are things that have existed within music for for generations. Uh, Eminem made a whole song about being a stand, and with the rise of social media and the rise of TikTok and the rise of just all these different platforms for people to express themselves, stand culture and hives have really sweeped. Uh, swept sweep i don't know uh just taking over taking over music and if you tweet the wrong thing a hive is coming after you if you if you say the wrong thing a stand might call you ugly so (laughs) we want to get into the the just the psychology of standom and whether it's inherently a bad thing so my first question for for you fellas is when does a fan become a stand um josh what you think I think when a fan becomes a stand is when they're over fanatical. They, you know, whatever project the artist drops, it's like they put on a pedestal. They don't really critically, uh, you know, uh, analyze it or like really take it into to digest. And if that artist has merged, they're going to buy everything. They're going to max up their credit cards and all that. Right. They're giving bad credit for this artist. Um, <laughs> my thing for this whole standum thing, just to kind of answer the question, is like I feel like anytime you, I agree with everything Josh said, but like when you can't look at an artist critically and just say like when they can do no wrong, that's when I think you're a stand. Mm-hmm. When they can do no wrong, you're a stand, and you don't care, you don't want to hear anything, any critiques on your artist, whether it comes to their personality, persona in the media, where it comes to their personal life, whether it comes to their music, anything like that. Like, if you don't want to hear nothing when it comes to that artist, any slander against them, then that's when you're a stand. And that's why I think it's problematic because 
like we said when we were talking earlier about uh, the weekend and Usher thing, like we love the weekend, but we gotta call it spades, spades. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and even if Drake had something to do in the like, if we saw any sort of malicious intent with the arch- architecture uh, digest, we would have yeah. called something out. I know you would have, yeah. you know, being such a Drake stand, but you're not yeah. in the point of fandom <clears throat> where you can't call out wrongs. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I take a lot of offense to people who try to dismiss me like defending Drake or supporting Drake as being a stand because I'll be the first to tell you Ratchet Happy Birthday sucked as a song. (laughs) Drake has had misses throughout his career and I have no problem admitting it. I think being a fan, being a true fan, because people like to throw around that true fan thing as if, oh, you just blindly like everything someone does. No, that's not being a true fan. That's being a blind stand. Being a fan is being able to admit when someone does something that 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 is like, no, you, you Drake, you could have done that better. So let's let let let's first be the responsible listeners that we are, and let's admit who we all stand for. So Josh, who who are the artists that 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 you stand for? So artists that I stand for. Obviously, Travis Scott, you know, I've seen my man about 11 times already since 2015. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Uh, Low-key stand of Kid Cudi. And, yeah, I think those are the only two stands that I really, like, bang with. I had to renounce my Kanye standum after, you know, a few questionable tweets and, you know, a few questionable mm-hmm. acts. But those are the two that I really, like, I'll, like, you know, put me in the in the trenches. I'll, I'll fight for. Oh, dope. Armand, what about you? Oh, me? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's go with you. Oh, man. Who are my, like, my guys? Like, I'd have to really think about it, like, off you the top. her last week. Her, I, I stand for her. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's still, you know, she's still growing in her career. I like most of everything that she does. Um, mm-hmm. But there's some stuff that I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's okay. But, like, I think as a most part, I'm a stand of her. Um, and I am a huge, like, John Legend Stan, that's my guy. That's oh, my yeah. guy. But he does to me like he he can do wrong, and he's done yeah. wrong, and I've called it out. Um, not necessarily as his persona in his. I'm speaking towardly to towardly. Oh help towards his music uh, because I think he's you know a very conscious person. He's a great citizen, um, and so I yeah. Anytime I speak about him in a disagreement is only about his music, and so. Um, yeah, that's. I would say John Legend. I I wouldn't even really count her. I would say John Legend is the the person I stand for. Okay. Yeah, I would say I've I've had phases throughout my life of people who I've stand for. So so when I was a kid, it was Neil, and we talked about that last week. And then as as I've gotten older, uh, it's definitely Drake. Um, obviously, I, I, I don't think <laughs> anyone who meets me or follows me on social media would ever be able to that. question who I stand for. Um. I'm low key becoming a Kalani stan as well. Uh, this low is key. Nick and I okay. talk about <laughs> like that's 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 my queen, and then uh, Black as well. So that's like three people, and I, you know, I, even in that, I, I think there are tears for me because there are people who I'm gonna stand up for. But I, the problem is, I don't think that makes me a stan. I think there are a lot of people who slander artists and they don't do it responsibly. Like like they don't really um, c- come to understand things. For example. Um, uh, when we were talking about this earlier, Nick, Division. Division is someone who I will defend um, because people feel like they might be trying to go mainstream. Now, there's this one person who I was interacting with on Twitter 
who's who his problem with the division track list was because he felt like they uh they were they had too many features on there so we wouldn't have an opportunity to get to know them but the way he was talking about it he was talking about it as if this was their debut album so i i, I had to correct him i was like yo this is their third album they've done documentaries they've done interviews there are many opportunities for you to get to know them outside of the music but, but you're looking at this one mm-hmm. thing and treating it like it's the only thing that we have from them and so but like me even in replying to him I felt the need to admit like my bias, like I'm a division fan. So I've sought out their interviews. I've sought out their documentaries, him just as a writer and a critic, you know, and well, that's the thing as a writer and a critic, you should be researching these things. Like you should know these things. So yeah, I was, I I, I was kind of a a little um, taken aback by, by it, but people aren't the same and, and everyone stands differently and everyone supports people differently. Now, do you guys feel that, being a stan is inherently a bad thing? No, I wouldn't say so. I don't think it's inherently a bad thing. Um, I think the neg- there's negative aspects to standom. Like, I think you can really ride for an artist, and that's the great part of it. But, like, the whole concept of a stan is, like, taking it too far, like, doing it too much, you know, like, doing a lot. Um, like, you know, when the Nikki people came for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're gonna get into that. I just little te- oh, that's a little man. teaser. I know you'll get into it, but um, yeah, I think it's it's when you when you're doing too much. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think honestly, I think stands. Well, if we're like being nuanced about it, stands are really vital to a artist's uh, progression. Just because right. at the end of the day, you need that core fan base to really propel you to newer heights. But yeah. if if like your standom becomes hostile or toxic, then it's also a reflection on your artist. So that's when it can be bad in a sense. So right. it, it's very nuanced, but I'm going to side with like, you kind of need your stance to be in your corner. Cause if you don't have stands, like no one's really going to root for you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's, 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 there's levels to it. Cause there are some artists uh, who mobilize their stands like Nicki Minaj, for example. And I'll just provide uh, our listeners who might not be aware, a quick anecdote. It was the day, Lil Nas X dropped the Old Town Road remix with Billy Ray Cyrus. I listened to it. I really liked it. And honestly, I didn't put much thought into this. I didn't think it would become anything. I was just like, yo, this is really cool. I hope like rappers don't make this a thing where everyone tries to do a remix and everyone hops in the wave. And just to be a little spicy, had to sprinkle a little bit of spice in there. I said, especially you, Nicki Minaj. Within hours, likes, retweets, people in, in my DM saying, yo, delete the tweet or we're going to get your Twitter removed. Like, death threats, people calling me fat, people saying I didn't know my father. Like, it was just a lot of different things. <laughs> you're, wait, wait, you, you're forgetting You're forgetting the best part. They was calling you sweaty. Sweaty, you forgot yes. forgot that part. Yes. Sweaty? Girl, yeah, she, yes. She, she meant to call me sweetie. She was like, hey, sweetie, if you, if you don't uh, delete this tweet, I'm going to send uh, my mass reporting group chat to report your account and get it taken down. But but she spelled sweetie sweaty. So then I, I changed my name on Twitter to Sweaty Armand. It was, oh it was, no! It was and you know what's crazy <laughs> is like Nikki didn't even. I, I doubt Nikki sent these people after me. Like these are just people who are so into her that they search her name and they like attack people who are attacking their their favorite artists. And that's when things become a bit unhealthy now i think situations like that though people have conflated and they make it so anytime you defend an artist they make they 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 like blanket blanket call you a stand and like Mm -hmm. and you might not be a stand you might just be being fair right in 
your assessment of that person. So that's something that's kind of come to bother me. And I've kind of, I, I don't, this term might've been used before, but I've kind of coined this term called anti-stands where these people who are the, are committed to calling other people stands and dismissing their opinion just because they think they're some overly blindly supportive person. So who, who do you, who do you guys feel is worse stands or, or, or anti-stands? Ooh. I'm, Cause it's kind of like a chicken or, or the egg type Ooh. thing. Go ahead, John. I'm good. I'm going to say the anti stance because I had a conversation with one of my boys the other day, and we were talking about like Travis's numbers with Astro World and uh, Uzi's numbers, and he was mm-hmm. saying that oh, like, oh, Travis shouldn't be this big or anything and whatnot. I was like, bro, you have to understand. Like, he had like 270 thousand pure album sales, and Uzi had 98 thousand. He was like oh, but you're just saying that because you're a stand. I was like, nah. And then he also bring up like the reason why Travis did so well is because of his bundles. He's not a barber or anything. He's actually a Joe Budden fan. I just had to say that real quick. But I just like, <laughs> listen, <laughs> like I said, listen, you know, every artist has has revolutionized their marketing game with how music is now being streamed. Like Prince used to uh, do... Uh, concert bundles nikki did uh concert bundles and merch bundles travis just had you know he did a one-day collection that each day was different and those uh collections had a album bundle and at the end of the day he was like he had to concede like you all right you know you kind of write but you're still a travis stan i was like that's not the point like the point was like i'm trying to be fair like i'll be the first to admit like some of travis's songs or even projects kind of a miss but at the end of the day like that's my guy and I'm going to I'm going to do right by him saying like listen like Asheril was I think top 3 albums of that year you can't deny it he had like the second best pure album sales you can't yeah. deny that Yeah Yeah and and that's the thing like at being such big fans of people we have the luxury of knowing so much and and we try to go out of our way to provide the most accurate information for people who might be trying to tear them down and they don't know but because we have that level of loyalty and commitment and liking of that person attached to us, it's very easy for people to kind of uh, invalidate that. So that, that's what gets very frustrating for me because like, again, like I said, I'll tell you, I'll tell you when Drake is a bad song. I'll tell you if I didn't like, you know, a feature that black did, I'll tell you that I'm, I, I really just recently became like a, a Kehlani fan fan. Like I, I wasn't that big into her, her, her early stuff. And, and I'll tell you that, but you know, like, people grow and like and 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 we grow and and we kind of develop these connections to artists because they make us feel a certain way the music that they put out might have hit us at a certain time and you know just you know kind of reducing someone's liking of someone to stand them it kind of ignores all those things because we all get different things out of music nick as an artist john i I can see john legend in 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 the music nick's nick makes i can see the influence so naturally there's going to be a connection there because john legend makes amazing music and and the way he's gone about his career, yeah. it makes sense that Nick, who wants to go about his career a certain way, will have that level of attachment there. Yeah. So like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm never going to question you know Nick's um, Nick's connection to John Lennon because I, I can't speak about that. I, I don't know that. I, I don't know when it was like this man heard ordinary people in in the car and you know teared up or something. You know, like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> hey, it wasn't all that. <laughs> you know, you know, you got the little spice on it, but um, but I don't, I don't know what it is, and like I. I'm not going to go out of my way to really try to tell someone why they like someone or why their opinion 
doesn't matter because of that. So like you you guys can tell this is a topic that I feel a little personally connected to. So, um, but um, yeah, man, it's just, it's really, really interesting uh, how, how conversations in music go. Cause it, it all just feels like, I, I, I'm trying to show you that I, I know more than you. And like, even if I haven't taken the time out to get to know this artist as much as you have, I'm still right because I believe what I believe. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are, those are things that kind of, kind of frustrate me there. Um, who do you guys think is, is, is the most crazy, crazy hive of, of them all? Cause we, we, we there's, there's some hives out here. Beehive. The barbs. Beehives and the barbs. I, I would say beehive is like, they're not like, venomous but the barbs are they will kill like yeah barbs i would say for those who don't know the barbs explain what the barbs are oh yeah so the the barbs are oh go ahead sorry so the barbs are Nicki minaj's stands Mm -hmm. yeah they are um some crazy people yeah i i would say the barbs are probably the most aggressive the most they, they 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 take things the furthest like they're kind of the ones who incited the beef between Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, if, if we're being very, very honest. Like p- putting up um, screenshots of like of Cardi liking That's certain very things spicy. Or, mm-hmm. or like Nicki liking certain things. Like the, the barbs really pushed that beef because from what I understood, Cardi didn't really have any anything personally with Nicki. Like she was she just trying to do her thing. And, and Nicki, Nicki having run, you know, the, the the rap game as a woman for 10 years, of course she's going to feel threatened by the newcomer, but it didn't really seem like like Nicki was like going out of her way to start the beef. She might have thrown some lines here and there, but like there was nothing direct until the fans got involved. And that's the power and and the danger of of social media and fans and everyone being able to have an opinion because you can kind of materialize these things that people aren't even thinking about. Um, uh, another hive I would have to I would have to point out is the Kanye hive. Um, they're going through some things right now. They've had a rough couple <laughs> years. They've had to see him go to that Yay album in Wyoming, and then they had to see him go full Bishop TD Jakes on us, and like you know, like that. And through it all, they're standing strong. Like they're they can justify anything. And, you know, that's a level of mental gymnastics that I don't know I ever want to play, but I get it. When you're that connected to what someone has given us in the past, and it's hard to let go of the late registration, graduation, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, I, I get it. Like, like you want that same person to always be there, but um, you, you got to stand by them. So, yeah, I would say I, I would agree. Barb's Beehive and um, Kanye. I mean, Drake has a bad hive too. Like there are some Drake fans that even I don't like. And there there are some who kind of make us look bad. Like us us fans who can point out things he does wrong, they make us look bad because they support every single thing. I'm, I'm sure you guys have encountered some some Drake stands like that in, in your day. Um and, and I hope that I haven't made you guys feel the way that um that some of those Drake stands have made me feel. Cause it's like damn I don't even want to stand by you. I don't want to be tweeting with you. You're making us look crazy. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, okay, that's that's all I got. Nick, is, is there any anything else you think? Nah, yeah. man. I, I mean, I I think we covered it. Josh, what you think? You know, I didn't really think Kanye stands were that prominent, but now that you now that you like bring it to life, like how they they go through the mental gymnastics, and then it just like with me saying like after a few while, like I had to renounce my stand, and I was like, dang, you kind of right about that. Yeah. Yeah, nah, they like when Jesus King 
came out, they were slightly in, in, insufferable. And granted, I listened to it and the music was good. I liked it. My, my issues with it were my issues with Kanye as a person and questioning how genuine it was. And it's also not necessarily fair of me to question someone's you know relationship with God and, and, and how, how they express it. But just given his actions and given him standing next to Trump and everything, like you can't help but question what his intentions were. But yeah, some of the Kanye stands were, were a little insufferable at that time. So that's uh that's that that's one of the hives that is always gonna gonna stand out to me. But hey, um, my message is like who you like, just be a responsible listener. Like be okay with admitting when someone you like does something wrong. It, it makes it a lot more fun to talk to you <laughs> about music. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, you know. But hey, in, enjoy what you like. Stand away because being a stand is not an inherently bad thing as long as you're responsible about it. So that's uh that's that's my message for for the week. All right, y'all. Okay. Let's uh, jump into this bulletin board. There really isn't much going on, as always. So, what's our message? Wash your hands, sanitize, moisturize, because there ain't no events outside, but you might find you a fun IG Live or a Zoom call. Um, want to thank Josh for stopping in, our first Stay Busy caller, bringing his takes, bringing his 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 Travis standum. Um, and... Um, this, this will be fun. This is something that uh, we look to continue every week. And we're going to give you guys, the listeners, the fans, the opportunity to name this segment for us. So whoever comes up with the, the coolest name, um, we, get, we got a little special something for you. Um, with that, I want to say uh, thank you. This is Armand Sather, head honcho. It's my, my EP, Nick Early. Um, Circles is, is still out. You guys can still stream Circles. Uh-huh. We'll be doing that mm-hmm. like uh, the videos available, the the, the in studio performance, like there's there's just so much content to engage with. Um, I recently put out a um, an article on divisions track list and just fan perception. So kind of what we talked about in in, in the episode today, and um, I also put out a review of Usher, Lil Jar, and Ludacris Sex Beat, where where I kind of told more of the story of my connection to it. So check out the content and stay safe. Oh, I'm sorry, and Josh here too. Once again, thank you, my brother. Thank you for joining us, the man. Um, so you all stay Much safe. Much appreciated. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Love, love. Stay safe. Stay humble. Stay busy. We got the best podcast in the city. Y'all mind, Nick Gurley with the flex. Stay busy. Topic after topic. Conversation. Stay litty. Keep it witty. No witty. Stay out. Get yet gritty. Stay gritty. Six lines. Busy. Get involved. All you little other podcasters getting crossed. Get lost. Like trying to guard crawl. Fur. I'm trying to run a cover like moss. Burn. Stay busy. Nick and arm dedicated. Cornell grass. So you know they educated. Killing every episode. I know the haters hate it. But they love it on the low. It's confused admiration. We live right now. Ray J on the line with it. This podcast straight up. Trevor Scott Lynn. The shorty send the episode. I might hit. But I left the arm red once I watched it. You know the boy clean, I ain't washed up. Levels crew with me, get involved, mo. My guys know the music, they are not slow. So get situated with this hot show. You know we stay busy. 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 You know we stay busy.